Welcome to the Adorned Women Podcast. Our goal is to inspire you with new stories each week featuring women of faith from all over the world, both past and present, and we want to introduce you to them. Through weekly discussions with each sister in Christ, we hope to give you a glimpse into who they are and how their lives have been transformed by the gospel. We are all in this journey together, so let's be inspired together. Hello, Adorn Women. I'm Michaela, and I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest, Christine Wicker. Christine grew up in northwestern Canada on a farm with her parents and three siblings. Her parents gave her a strong faith foundation as they showed in their everyday lives what it means to live with integrity, to love and care for others, and to work hard. When her older sister was diagnosed with leukemia at age eight, life for their family was turned upside down. But through the next two years, they grew together as a family in their faith. Through reading biographies of men and women who dedicated their lives to serving God and others in far-off countries, Christine often wondered what that could look like in her own life. And she asked God to use her anywhere, anytime, and in any way he wanted. During college, she traveled to Papua New Guinea for a summer and there heard his call to be a teacher. After university, she moved to Kazakhstan to teach at an international school, and she has served there for over 16 years. It was also in Kazakhstan that she met her husband, Andy, who teaches English in drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers. They love living in a small village with their dogs, high school boys, and good neighbors around them. In everything, their focus is on loving those God brings into their lives. Christine has an amazing testimony of God's work in her life, And I loved hearing her share her perspective and insights about what it means to trust and serve God. I hope you'll be inspired today, no matter where you're at or what you're doing, to trust and serve God well with your life too. Hi everyone, I'm Michaela, your host, and I'm here with my sister-in-law and co-host, Alicia. Hello, as always, having a great time doing this. Oh, yes. And we're here with another friend, Christine Wicker. Hello. We are so excited to have you and just hear a little bit about your story. But first, we want to get to know you a little bit. If you just want to kind of like introduce yourself to everyone, let them know a little bit about you. Sure. So I uh, currently live in Kazakhstan. I've been here for over 16 years now. And Yeah, it's just been an amazing journey looking back on how God sent me here. And we, I met my husband here in Kazakhstan. And so we're, we live in a little village. Um, My husband works with drug addicts and alcoholics at rehabilitation centers. And I work at an international school. I started there 16 years ago as a grade one teacher and, um, I'm now the elementary principal, deputy director, um, sort of overseeing the main local staff, the budget, uh, operations, as well as our elementary teachers, students. It's a small school, about 150 students, kindergarten to grade 12, but I just love being there all the days. Every day I'm there, it's just, it's fun, it's new, it's different. We have an amazing group of teachers, wonderful students and families. And we live in a little village here. It's about, yeah, maybe a 20 minute drive from our school, but it's, yeah, it's pretty in the middle of nowhere in a sense, but we're at the end of a dead end street. 
but it's just been a huge blessing living here. We have really good neighbors, great relationships with them. We're easy to find on Google Maps because we're the one green spot in our village, especially in the summer. It's really dry here, kind of desert-like. And so everything dries, but we planted grass and we have a sprinkler system. Nice. And so we're like this green spot and basically in this, you know, well, year round, but especially in the summer, the neighbor kids come to our yard every day to play. There's not a park really in our village. So we're the neighborhood park for usually, I think last summer, every evening, we'd have about 25, 30 kids playing volleyball, soccer, just sitting, hanging out, eating my fruit tree, the fruit from my fruit trees, which sometimes I would have to (laughs) try to protect, but (laughs) not very successfully. So we just feel like God really has placed us here just to love anyone that he puts in our lives, whether it's our neighbors, just the people at school or anyone. So we really feel blessed being here. It's a huge difference from where I grew up on a small farm in Northern Canada. But yeah, I feel like in so many ways, God has prepared us for this, but just also just answers, you know, so many dreams of ours and has just blessed us beyond, beyond our imagining. Yeah, it sounds like you have a really sweet community there. What are some other like fun facts or hobbies about you that you would want other people to know? Um, It's hard to have a whole lot of hobbies just because I don't have a lot of time. I do love teaching. And so being able to teach the neighbor kids English has been a lot of fun for me. Um, My first few years here, you know, a lot of the neighbor, like the parents were asking, oh, can you teach our kids English? And I'd always be like, no, I just, I don't have time. I mean, I was, I'm at school till seven every day and there's not a whole lot of extra time in the day. And uh, one time over Christmas, I started cleaning up our basement. We just have this, it's just a concrete basement, unfinished. And I started cleaning it up. And all of a sudden, I realized, you know what? This is the perfect place for a classroom. And I got really excited. I'm like, it's a big room. I could put tables here. So I cleaned, you know, I spent three days cleaning up the basement, moving everything to one side, getting the space. I just finished vacuuming it and there was a knock on the door and a neighbor came and she said, you know, she's like, can you teach my child English? And I'm just like, come downstairs. I'm like, I just finished preparing my classroom. I said, you know, if you can find me 10 neighbor kids, I said, I think, you know, that's about the max what I can fit right now. We can start next Monday. And she says, okay, I'll have 10 kids next Monday. Wow. And so I didn't even have to go out and find the students. You know, they were just like the kids right in the houses right around us. And that's when it started. And that's, I think, maybe now five, six years ago. Wow. You mentioned how it's important to love the people that got places in your life. So I'm curious with teaching English and how those kids just <laughs> showed up and you got the opportunity to interact with them. How do you, how does it look when you're able to love them? Um, as God has obviously placed them in your life like that? You know, I've just really been challenged, even especially this year, even more. Just, you know, the important thing isn't always looking at people as projects. But really, when I when I see in the Bible, it's just loving people. Kind of the theme verse from my very first time when I had come to Kazakhstan was from Thessalonians. You know, we loved you so much that we 
came to share not only the gospel, but our lives with you as well. And what God calls us to do is to love others. And that's what I admire in my husband. Um, He just loves people very well and is just a servant-hearted person, always wanting to help others. And I think discipleship is about not giving up on people and just no matter what they need, that you're there for them and that you put their needs ahead of yours. Yeah, it's not always easy, of course, loving others, but yeah, I think that's really the the heart of, of the gospel is loving others with God's love. It's not us loving them. It's really God loving them through us. We're just his body, his vessels, and his spirit is in us to, you know, serve those around us and anyone. Just before Christmas, I actually had the opportunity to visit a friend. So she's from Kazakhstan. She and her family just moved to Dubai. And she's always been involved in all sorts of charities, all sorts of ministries. And she was really discouraged because she just wasn't able to get into a spot there. And so instead, she had been offered this job through a friend and she was working and she didn't really like it because she was like, I want to be doing ministry. And now I have this job. And she's like, I know I have to have it now because financially we need it. It's very expensive living in Dubai. Her husband's trying to start up a business. And I just looked at her. I said, but look where God has placed you and look at the people that you're working with. God put all these people in your lives, people who really need you just to love them and for them to see that you care about them. And, you know, I said, they need the gospel as much as anyone else. And they need you in their lives because you're now in their circle. Yeah. I said, this is your ministry. And she's like, yeah, but I'm getting paid for it. It's not. I said, no, it is. Yeah. She's like, no one's ever told me that this can be my ministry. And, you know, later on, she sent me a message and she's like, now I see that this can be my ministry. Right. And so I think this is what it's about being there and loving those that God puts in your lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't have to have the title of having that vocational ministry or working at a church to do ministry. Yeah, the title's not important. What you're doing, it it just needs to be your life. It needs to be your lifestyle. Yeah. And wherever you are. Yep. I think that's an awesome message. And I definitely want to come back to that at the end. But I'm also super excited to hear your testimony and have everyone else hear that too, because Michaela and I obviously got to hear that a couple months ago, but um, we wanted to give you the opportunity to share some of that with our listeners. What really stuck out to me from our conversation was just this trust you have in God, your trust in him to communicate with you in prayer, to answer your prayers, to guide you in life. And so I kind of wanted to focus in on that here as we just get into your story a little bit. Could you start off by sharing your early experience with prayer and how you came to trust that God hears your prayers? Yeah, so I I grew up in a strong Christian family, and it wasn't something I ever doubted, you know, that God was there, but really something that was a turning point for me in my faith life was when I was six, my older sister was diagnosed with leukemia, and it all happened very quickly, and because we were in the northern community in Canada, the hospital where she was flown was six hours drive away. My mom and my sister were often gone. And it just became a time that I remember um, praying a lot. And we prayed as a family. And we, I remember just at night <laughs> praying a lot. And 
yeah, I just knew God was listening and he was there. And it was, it was interesting. A year later, she was, it was a year and a half that she struggled with leukemia. We're driving in the car and we're going to find out which one of us would be the bone marrow donor. And uh, my younger sister and my older sister, it was my older sister, Elizabeth, who was sick. My younger sister and her, they looked alike. They acted alike. I was sure like they're going to have the same blood. You know, it's going to be her. But I prayed and it was a selfish prayer. I prayed that the donor would be me because, you know, I just saw the attention my sister was getting. And every time she got, all I knew it meant we would get lots of blood taken. And I knew every time my sister got blood taken, she got a little prize from the nurse. And I'm like, oh, I would like the prize from the nurse. You know, that would be fun if it was me. And so I'm praying, God, please let it be me. And to everyone's surprise, it was me. And my younger sister was kind of angry afterwards. She's like, what? Why didn't you tell me that you were praying? I could have prayed too, and it would have been fair. (laughs) And, you know, and I'm just like, well, God had heard my prayer, but it's still the, the leukemia was strong in her body. And even with the transplant, the leukemia still came back. And I remember... I was eight, you know, sitting on a chair waiting as my dad was on the phone. And we knew this was a sort of a phone call that would say, was it in remission or was it coming back? And I remember just praying to God at that time and saying, God, I'm just, I'm so tired of this. And I know, you know, my parents have told me, even if it's in remission, it's, it's still not over. There's still going to be a lot of trips to the hospital I said, God, we can't do this anymore. I said, either heal her completely, just a miracle, or just take her to heaven because like, this is so hard for us. And um, my dad came off the phone and he said, no, it's, it's, you know, she's, she's not gonna be with us much longer. And, you know, there was this guilt of, oh my goodness, God, like answered my prayer. And I don't know, is this my fault? And I just knew, you know, God listens to my prayers. But, you know, I did talk to my parents and talk through that. I think what helped me not feel it was so much my fault was talking to my sister a couple of days later and a few days before she passed away. And she said, you know, she's like, I, I've seen Jesus. My sister had the most incredible faith. She was always telling people about Jesus. And she, you know, told me, she's like, I saw Jesus. He's waiting for me. And so even after she passed away, I remember just looking at her body and thinking, this is just her body. She's, she's with Jesus. She told me seeing her strong faith just impacted me as well. So much. It just helped us through, you know, the next while. And I know just growing up, I I thought, how can people live without, without God, without knowing that he's in control over everything and that his plans are for the best, even if we don't know it, just knowing that he has things in his hand. And yeah, at Bible camp, I just loved hearing the speakers who came from overseas who were, you know, had just dedicated their lives to God and hearing what God was doing and just being challenged. I would read biographies of people who had also just dedicated their lives to serving God. People like Amy Carmichael, Gladys Aylward and just being like, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to serve God wherever he calls, whatever he wants me to do in any country, you know, and I remember just asking God, just use me wherever. 
I never knew what that would look like, to be honest, growing up. I was very close to my family. I didn't imagine I would leave my family. I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> move far away. And then when I went to college, I went for one summer to Papua New Guinea. You know, I was sure emotionally, I was just going to be like, yes, this is where I should be. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in a tribe somewhere. And it was hard because right from the beginning, I just felt God say, no, this is not the place for you. You know, there was like 54 young people. I was 18 at the time. And, you know, everyone seemed like, sure, like they were going to go here. They were going to be somewhere living fully for God. And God was just telling me, no, this is not where you're supposed to be. And I, I was really disappointed. I was thinking, have I just been, you know, so wrong about like, what am I going to do now? And we were there for, I think, seven weeks. And it was the last week that we visited the compound of foreigners. And there was a school there and boarding homes. And they were talking about the importance of teachers and how a lot of people leave the field because there's not good education options for their kids. And I had never considered being a teacher. I was pretty quiet growing up. I wasn't the one, you know, in the center of tension. And my older sister, Elizabeth, who had passed away, she, you know, that was her dream to be a teacher. And she was very confident in always talking to people. And so to me, you know, that's what a teacher was. But God just said, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just, this is where you're supposed to be. You're not supposed to be out in the jungle. I want you to be serving those who are serving others. I want you to be a teacher. And you know, at that time they were looking for music teachers and that was my passion. I was, you know, into music a lot. And I thought, wow, I've, I've never thought of this. And we visited a boarding house there and I thought, wow, this would be so cool to be a, a dorm parent. I did forget to say in my introduction that we also have four high school boys living with us. So it's amazing how those little dreams <laughs> later on, yeah, that God just, answers that in just these amazing ways. You know, so I went back and I had told myself, I'm not making any decisions while I'm in Papua New Guinea. So I came back, I started teaching Sunday school. I'm like, I need to try. I've never taught before. And I just found that I just love teaching. So I became a teacher. I went to university and then I was planning to go to China for a summer to teach English. And that was the summer when the first... <laughs> The first coronavirus, the SARS happened and the borders to China were closed. And, you know, I'd already been raising funds. It's like, no, you can't go. And so I was like, okay, now what do I do? What do I do is the summer? You know, my organization said, just wait. We're looking at different options. I came home one day and my mom said, you know, they, they called and they said, would you like to go to Kazakhstan instead for the summer? And I went into our laundry room. We had this big world map on the wall. And I'm looking on the map like, where's Kazakhstan? <laughs> like, where is this country? I don't know anything about it. So I found it on the map. I'm like, okay, well, you know, wherever. A few weeks later, I was in Kazakhstan knowing nothing about Kazakhstan. We flew up to this northern, or we flew into the main city and then took a train 24 hours up north. And... I just loved Kazakhstan. I love the people. I had the most amazing summer and we were working with youth there. 
in a church and we were teaching English and, you know, they kept asking, like, are you going to come back? Are you coming back? And at first I'm like, no, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I'm thinking this is just the summer and I'm going to be a teacher and there's no schools here. You know, I don't speak Russian. I mean, I didn't speak any Russian and it was really hard because we're trying to communicate there were some girls and I just loved them, but it was so hard to communicate. But pretty soon by the end of the summer, I was like, well, I'm going to try to come back somehow. I don't know how. And when I went back home, I just really felt God saying, you're supposed to go back. And I remember thinking, but how and why shouldn't I go somewhere where there's a school where I can get used to the country? I still had a couple years left of university. But I thought, you know, I need to go somewhere where it makes sense, where I'm going to end up teaching. There's no school. And I said to God, if I'm supposed to go, if this is from you, you know, you really need to show it clearly. I had switched universities three times. So the next summer I was supposed to take extra courses to make up for classes that were transferring. And, and I said, you need to free up my summer. And I said, God, I, I don't want to go back without knowing any Russian. You've got to bring me someone who can teach me Russian. Well, within two weeks, you know, we're at a friend's house playing games and I'm partnered up with this friend, an exchange student from Germany. And we start talking and, well, she grew up just basically beside Kazakhstan and we're talking and I'm like, wow, can you teach me Russian? She's like, of course, sure, we can meet. And she just became a very dear friend. And I talked to my university advisor and we figured out I could take extra classes during the year and my summer was getting freed up. And so I contacted, you know, my organization. I said, can I go back next summer to Kazakhstan? And anyhow, long story short, I came back the next summer. We arrived, we stayed with a family from Canada for one night in the main city before taking our train. And they had a couple girls and you know, it's this Canadian family. I'm like, where do your girls go to school? And they're like, oh, well, they go to Tinshan International School. And they start telling me about this school. And I wrote an email to my parents that night. I said, I found the school I'm going to teach at. And a year later, <laughs> I was on a plane again after I graduated from university and yeah, flew into Almaty to start teaching. Wow. And yeah, so that's how I ended up here in Kazakhstan. Yeah, that's just an incredible story. It's just so evident that the Lord has been clearly just guiding your steps. It, it makes me think of the verse in Proverbs that says, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so obviously he gave you these dreams and and you just didn't know how he was going to accomplish those. And just step by step, he brought you there. So I just love that story. And even just with your your sister, um, early on in your life. That is so encouraging to hear about how both of you at, at such a young age were able to have so much faith and cling to hope in God because that's a hard thing to do in the midst of, of those kind of circumstances. It's so evident that you fully depend on God. And I'm sure there are times when it was more difficult than others, but it's clear like you love being in that place of depending on Him. And it's, it's kind of a vulnerable place. I think a lot of us kind of shy away from that sometimes, especially when we don't see our need, when we feel like we can just depend on ourselves and be okay. But can you share why you've chosen to remain in that state of dependence on God 
and what that experience is like at this point in your life? Yeah, I think that first summer when we came, we arrived and um, our half our suitcases never made it with us on the plane. And, you know, we're 24 hours train ride away from the airport. So it took over a couple of weeks before we finally got those suitcases. And in those suitcases that weren't there included all of our teaching materials. And at this time, I think I was 21. You know, I'm partway through university to be a teacher, halfway through. And I had the most teaching experience of our team. And so they kept looking to me like, okay, so what are we going to do? How do we teach? What do we, you know, what are we planning? And I've never taught English before. And I remember waking up each morning. Um, we were in this little Soviet apartment building. You know, I'm sleeping on the floor on a mat in sort of a common room. And I'd wake up and I'm thinking, oh, shoot, what am I doing here? I have no idea. How did I end up here? <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. Then it was just like, okay, God help me. You know, you've got to help us through this day. You've got to help us know what to do. There's no way we can do this. And that kind of just became our prayer every morning, at least my prayer. It was just like, okay, God, I need you because this is scary and I don't know what I'm doing. And that summer was just, I just loved that. We were having amazing times and things were really working out well. And you know, we were having so much fun and it was all totally out of our control. I look back sometimes and I thought, what were we thinking? Because the youth, they would always say, oh, we're going to do Russian extreme. And they would do crazy things with us. And I'm thinking this was so dangerous. You know, we're jumping off of bridges 10 meters high into this shallow river. I'm like, what were we thinking? But it was just, you know, we just went with it, I guess, in a sense. And every day was just an adventure. And there was something that was amazing, just living, just relying on God. Mm. Two years later, I'm flying into Almaty, this time for good to, to be a teacher. I didn't know anyone in Almaty. I had met the one family for one night before we had taken the train up north. And at that time, it's not so bad anymore. But at that time, when you got in Frankfurt in the airport, and then you were going to Almaty, it was like you left the Frankfurt airport. You suddenly went down the stairs into this basement area. It was scary. And, you know, no one speaks your language. I was the only foreign looking person there. There's no lines anymore. You know, it's just kind of a crowd of people and unfamiliar smells. I'm on the plane. I'm just alone. I don't have teammates this time with me. I don't know the people who are picking me up from the airport. I don't know the people I'm going to live with. And I was just writing in my journal and I said, God, if this was an adventure, I would quit right now <laughs> because this is, this is a little too scary and outside my comfort zone. God, I'm so glad I know that I'm called by you to be here and that this isn't just an adventure, but that you're asking me to be there. So at that time, God just gave me that verse from Psalms. Psalm 90 from Moses, where he says, Lord, you've been my dwelling place. You're my home. And I thought Moses didn't have a home. You know, he's traveling all over the place, but God was his dwelling place. God was his home. And he says, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, you are with me. And the comfort of knowing that God was with me, this was not an adventure. This was 
a calling. I wasn't just doing this because I wanted to, because um, I think I would have gone home at that time. I was scared, but there was just that comfort of knowing, no, this is where God wants me to be. And that first year, I mean, it, I was a first year teacher. You know, my comfort was my friend across the hall. She was also a brand new first year teacher. We got to know each other very well there, you know, asking each other like, okay, what do we do now? How do we do this? And yeah, there was a lot of times it wasn't easy, but knowing that this is where God had me and he had placed me here, just needing to depend on him. And I remember in the summers, I would go back and visit my family and all of a sudden life would be like easy and predictable. And I'd be like, oh no, I like living where I need to depend on God, where in the morning, I'm like, no, I need to read my Bible for today. I need to be with him because I'm not going to make it through all of these things without him. Whereas if I'm living in a place where it's predictable, it's like, oh yeah, I've got things under control. I can do this. So for me, I know throughout my life, my parents would ask, when are you coming back? (laughs) And I thought, I don't want to come back until I learn what it means wherever I am to fully rely on God. And I don't know how long that's going to take me just, you know, to be able to live anywhere because, you know, it it is easy to not rely on God when you're somewhere where things seem more in our own control. And definitely living in Kazakhstan doesn't really feel like you are in control. Even this last week when we had a you know, an attempted coup here in Kazakhstan, and we have no idea what's going on. It's like, okay, God, thank you that we know that you're in control of what's going to happen and just help us rely on you. Yeah. And even with all the COVID things going on, and I mean, right now the Omicron is just starting to go through everyone over here. And so it's like, okay, so what does this look like? How does school look like again for next week? What are we doing? And sometimes it can be daunting, like, okay, we've got to make decisions here. But just, you know, remembering, we just rely on God. He's going to lead us. He's going to show us what to do each day. We don't need to know what's going to happen way in the future. I think if we knew, we would be too scared to go forward. You know, if people had told me 20 years ago, this is what you're going to be like in 20 years. I'd be like, what? No, I can't do that. I love that message of getting to the end of yourself and having like literally you have to rely on God and depend on him in order to get through your day. And that was something that I learned working at a summer camp for six weeks straight. And it was just like every week we had 44 different families driving in and we'd be like going crazy, like running up and down in hundred degree heat and then bringing their bags inside. And like, that was just the first day. And so day after day, it was just exhaustion you know, our supervisors, like they wanted us to get to that place where we were just exhausted. And it, and we'd have to wake up every morning and say, Lord, if you're not a part of my day, I'm going to screw something up. I'm not going to be able to get through this without you. So I think that that is something that every believer should absolutely learn how to do is how to wake up and just know, like, I have to depend on God today. Like you said, even here where I live, it's easy to just wake up and every day there's a routine and I know exactly what's probably going to happen. And it's hard to, to really like depend on God or remind myself that I still need to depend on him when life is easy. But if I'm not learning now, then it's going to be a lot harder to depend on him when life is hard. 
I think you've learned this and I know other people out there maybe in the middle of learning it or maybe they haven't yet had to learn this, but sometimes you have to wait <laughs> to hear an answer from God. And sometimes you hear a no, and then you hear a yes. And it's hard to know if that yes is God's yes, or if it's you just maybe making things for yourself. So, I mean, you shared, you shared how you had to wait when you went on that trip to Papua New Guinea and you were expecting a yes and you had to wait and hear a no. And then you heard a yes you didn't expect. So which do you think was harder? Do you think it was harder to hear a no with something that you thought was going to be the outcome? Or was it harder to hear a yes with something that didn't quite feel like that's what it was supposed to be? I think the no was harder. The no was harder then. You know, people ask now, how long are you going to stay in Kazakhstan? And right now, basically the answer that Andy and I always give, we say, well, tell God tells us to go somewhere else rather than saying, okay, God, show me, like, am I supposed to come back next year? And part of that is because we don't always hear that clear, like, do this today, do that. And I think part of it is we are to live by the spirit. And if we just each day do whatever he puts in front of us to do, he's going to lead us in what he wants us to do. Yeah, there's, there are these moments in our lives where we do make big decisions, you know, to move across <laughs> the world. But there's also just the daily life that happens and just trying to be, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's not me who live, but it's Christ living in me. And just being able to start trusting, I just have to live my life, you know? And sometimes it's not asking for every decision like, okay, am I supposed to do this or am I supposed to do that? But just trusting, you know, God's going to direct our steps. And if he puts it in front of us to do, we just do it with, with all our might. I think sometimes people get hung up on, oh, well, I have to make sure this is what God wants me to do. And I think, yeah, there, there are times when there's big decisions that you really have to stop and pray. Absolutely. But I think for the day-to-day -day life, part of it is just, saying, okay, who has God put in my life today? A lot of life, you know, following God is just, if we're being faithful to what he's commanding us to do, we just live each day. Who has he put in our lives? Who are we supposed to visit today? Who are we supposed to talk today to today? So I think part of, you know, just our, our everyday living is just being faithful to his word, faithful to who he is, and just doing the things just the everyday things that he brings into our path. Yeah. Maybe for people who are listening, who it's hard for them to see the opportunities in their lives where God is actually using that. Maybe like your friend who couldn't see how a, a regular paid job could be a place to serve God. How do you learn to see the opportunities that God puts right in front of you to love others and to serve him well? Part of it is that surrender, not trying to do the great big things. <laughs> and we're the body of Christ. Each one of us has such unique gifts. And not everyone is going to be the mouth and not everyone's the hand. You know, some people are the ear and they're listening to people. Some people are, you know, the ones who are really supporting and into prayer warriors for others. We couldn't be here without our supporters back home in North America. 
people who are praying for us, who are encouraging us. But each one of us, there's people that God's putting in our lives that he wants us to, to love. We can know everything from the Bible. We can have it all memorized. But if we don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. You know, if I don't know someone's name that I work with and don't care about what they're doing, even though I'm beside them each day, but I'm just thinking, oh, I need to do this and I need to memorize this because then I'm going to be a better Christian. We've missed the mark completely. Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these people, we don't think that giving a glass of water, (laughs) you know, it's not a great thing. But yet that's what God asks us to do. We literally (laughs) give water. Some of our families on our street, they actually don't have water in their houses. So they come with their jugs of water to our house. And we, you know, at first it was from the bathtub filling up their jugs of water. And we're like, okay, let's put a hose outside our house so they can just help themselves a little easier. Does it make a difference? You know, for them it does. And it's not a big thing for us. It's a small thing that we can do for others. You know, just being able to see who are those people. We had a a woman on our street whose daughter was tragically killed this year. And sometimes you're like, well, I don't know what to say. And, you know, I've got to doubly that excuse because she's Kazakh and my Kazakh is not, (laughs) is not there that I can comfort someone in Kazakh. I'm like, I really don't have the language skills. But, you know, God said, no, you, you still need to go and visit. And coming back from that visit and, you know, being there, being able to cry with her. And then later on, we could speak in Russian to each other. So it was, it was fine. But just being open to those little things, those little conversations, I think is, is key. It doesn't have to be big things. God doesn't all call us all to change the whole world. But he calls us to close, close the naked, feed the hungry give that cold water and whatever he's asking us to do. That's just what we're to do as collectively. We're, we're the body of Christ. He loves others through us. I think it's both. We love those who are in our Christian family, but also just everyone around us. You know, we can look at our lives and say, well, we're not making a big difference. I mean, I can look at my own life and say, I don't see a whole lot of fruit from my years here, but I also see, fruit from other families who are here that I've supported and helped and encouraged. And I think, okay, if I can be that support to them and encourage them, yeah, it's not about, do I have a certain amount of stuff I can show at the end? It's, have you just been faithful into little things? Sure. Yeah, this has just been so encouraging to me, Christine, and I just feel encouraged now to truly just be the hands and feet of Jesus, even in the little things that might seem insignificant, but can make a big difference in someone else's life. So I just thank you so much for sharing these stories with us. It is just incredible to hear the way that the Lord has led you in life and given you so many opportunities to bless others. And with our last few minutes here, could you just share a little bit about where you're at today, how God has continued to shape you since you've moved to Kazakhstan and began working full-time with the school? You know, I think we never get there. (laughs) There's still so far to go as far as growing spiritually. Sometimes I still get discouraged. 
you know, I still love to read biographies and I think, wow, I still fall short so much as far as, you know, not praying as much as I should. But I think the way God has been teaching me a lot this year, just about how do I continue just to be faithful each day in the areas he has put me, especially this last week with a lot more contact with our neighbors than maybe I usually would have when I'm at school every day, just has renewed my yeah, desire to be more present in their lives. And also just thinking how can, like I love this week, it wasn't just me serving them and bringing them food, but also them saying, come over to our house, watch TV, you know, you can watch the news at our house, knowing that we were also, you know, relying on them because when something like this happens, the foreigners are a little bit at a, you know, you're vulnerable. And knowing that we're well-loved by our neighbors and that they're looking out for us and caring about us and knowing that they have our back too and they stand up for us. That helps make our relationship like a two-way street. It's not just a give, but we need each other. Yeah. And so, yeah, I need to keep working on learning language. I'm trying to work on my Kazakh just because we live in such a Kazakh neighborhood. It's hard to do when we can always fall back on Russian and just speak in Russian with each other. But knowing that Kazakh is their heart language, I'm really trying to learn Kazakh now. But yeah, I think God has helped me realize it's, it's not about me. It's not about trying to get results but it's just about working together in community and working in community is sometimes hard. It's give and take, but it's realizing that we need each other and how do we work well in community and support each other and be able to trust each other. And sometimes things aren't going to go the way that we would like it to go, but knowing that we have to trust each other as well. And so, you know, especially at school and stuff, realizing, okay, it's not all going to go the way that I think it should go, but am I willing to listen to others as well? And especially now, um, you know, pretty soon I have another school meeting, admin meeting, you know, to try to figure out, okay, what do we do about Omicron? How, what does this look like? Um, and there's a lot of strong feelings from different sides of what should we do and how do we keep our community safe or how do we keep education happening? And so I guess being gracious, supporting others is important. Well, thank you so much again for sharing everything that you have. And I wish we had so much longer, honestly, <laughs> for more questions and more stories, but we'll have to wrap it up here for today. But thank you again. And one last question I have for you is just, how can we be praying for you? How can our community be praying for you as you move forward in your work and your life? Um, so I would say, please pray for, yeah, pray for our country here in Kazakhstan, especially with the unrest, pray for wisdom in the government. There's some new people now in new positions, pray for integrity and to listen to the people and yeah, for peace. You know, there's got to be a lot of rebuilding here. And so, yeah, for Kazakhstan is a, is a big prayer request as well as for God's light to be here. And yeah, continue praying for our school. I mean, COVID's everywhere, but when you're in a country where maybe the healthcare isn't 
the same as what we might be used to in the West, then sometimes small things can be a lot more scary for our families. And so just pray for, for wisdom for the school as we move forward and pray, you know, that we'll continue to have the teachers we need. We rely on volunteer teachers and it's amazing. God does provide. I mean, through this COVID times, we've had more teachers than ever before, which has been amazing. Wow. Um, but yeah, each year we need, we need new teachers coming. I ask that you pray for new teachers for our school and yeah, for, for our village and just that we can be a light here and that we can love our neighbors well and that they would see God's love through it all. Yeah. Thank you so much again. We'll definitely be praying for you and your community and your country. And we just are so grateful to hear about your story um, and that you're just willing to share that with others. Yes, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Adorned Women podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then follow us on our Instagram for even more great content all week long. Our handle is at Adorned Women. You can also visit our website at www.adornedwomen.com. And of course, join us again next week as we connect with another sister in Christ and learn so much from her life of faith. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.